on today's episode of Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. Want you to be in their role that they prescribe for you so that you can be the one that they might live vicariously through. You're the people pleaser. You're the one meeting all their needs and showering them with attention. They can raise their children to be their own supply, their own Mm -hmm. source of validation. And when you're not on that program, then they will into the discard and they will feel very justified for it because most likely that's how they were treated. This episode is sure to deliver stimulating conversations and aha moments that may give you a fresh perspective. If any moment made your soul vibrate, please leave us a review and let us know if we're on the right track. Also, we release episodes every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe and visit BlackGirlsGettingTheirShiftTogether.com to access exclusive offers and coaching packages. The coaching packages include clarity calls, VIP one-on-one exclusive coaching, and my absolute favorite, the Tribe Vibes. A Tribe Vibe is a twist on Ladies' Night, focusing on self-care for Black women with a holistic approach. Welcome to Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. I'm your host, Ursula, a transformation life coach and mental health and wellness advocate. This is a safe space for amazing Black women to share open, honest dialogue about mental health and wellness, self-care, self-love, and basically how to get our shift together. Let's tune in to this week's episode. For the queen, sisters manifesting their dreams. Get your cream by any means and being with self-esteem. Beauty supreme and booty walk so mean. The way you fit in them jeans, you eat your cornbread and greens. Dance or a doctor, red wine or vodka. Redesign your spot and redefine your mantra. Retwist your locks and realign your chakras. Doing your squats and getting close to God, huh? Brunching with your squad or taking a girl's trip. Adjust your crown, you guys give to the world. Sis. Celestial body, drink your water. Meditate, sun kiss goddess, heavenly order. Levitate, tribe of Ashanti, black girl magic, melanin popping, whether you ratchet or lavish, whether you bougie or savage, you a gift and a treasure, you got to love a black girl getting a shift together, black girls are getting a shift together, these black girls getting a shift together, man, these black girls are getting a shift together, these black girls getting a shift together, dog. Hello, welcome back to Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. This is a podcast about relevant topics, especially for Black women, because we can relate to how we relate to each other. But each week, I promise to deliver relevant topics that can help aid in this healing. All right, we're going to get right into it. As I mentioned before, we are doing a live Q&A. This is the first time I'm doing this, so I'm very excited. And if you anyone feels comfortable, if you want to come on live and ask our beautiful therapist, Sarita Yvonne, if you want to ask her any questions or if you feel a lot more comfortable in typing them in the comment section, 
it is okay. I want you to do whatever you feel comfortable with. Just remember that this is a safe space. Speaking of Sarita, I'm going to bring her right out of the waiting room. Hello, Sarita. Hello. Thank you again for having me. I'm excited about this. Yes, this is very exciting. Oh, we already have a hello. Um, hello. <laughs> blind guy and his wife, greetings. I don't have my weekly meeting, so yay, I'm here. Yes, we're grateful that you're spending some time with us. So we're going to do our best to make it worth your while. Absolutely, absolutely. How was your day today? Thank you for asking. Or were you talking about blind guy? <laughs> <laughs> Queen is always good. She stays on the road and she's an actress. And I so I know she's good. How are you doing, Sarita? Thank you so much for asking. I think that, um, you know, sometimes when we're good, when we are on our healing journey, people can assume that we're always fine. So it's great when people just take the time to check in. But I am well. I'm so excited uh, preparing for this challenge. I'm loving that we have an opportunity to create a safe space to have these conversations. Yeah. So I appreciate you. How are you? I'm well. I, my body's a little taxed from my workout, but you know what? My body's craving it. It needed it. So here I am. <laughs> That's part of getting your shift together. So <laughs> internally and externally. Absolutely. So let's get into it. But before anyone listening, there's a lot of people coming in. Please. Type where you're tuning in from. Give me your state, your city. And if it's a replay, please make sure and type replay in the comments. And again, if you have any questions, I will drop a link. And if you want to come on live and ask Sarita any questions, respectfully, we do not mind. And if you don't want to do that, then you can always go in the comment section. Okay, East Oakland, California, yay. In Georgia, already checking in. Oh, Atlanta. I'm loving it. All right. So um, last week we did a topic on toxic mother-daughter relationships, the trauma that can come from it and how it looks. So we're going to do a brief uh, overview, if you don't mind. You want to do that? Absolutely. So we'll just talk about how a mother wound can show up. And I love this topic because I didn't realize even as of six months ago, because the healing always continues of how many blind spots I had with my mother wound. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I I think I didn't want to interrupt you. Yeah, go ahead. I think that when we talk about mother wounds, we're really talking about attachment wounds, wounds as it relates to bonding and feeling safe and secure in relationships. Mm. And so one of the questions I saw in the, um, and the comment section was, oh, so your relationship with a mother can impact your adult relationships? Your relationship with your mother actually determines your adult relationships. And so if we 
have a lack of awareness, if we're not doing the healing work, if we are not getting to know ourselves, then our relationship with our mother will absolutely play out. It will determine who you are attracted to. It, ha- it Your relationship with your mother absolutely shapes your self-esteem and your confidence. And so a lot of us don't see the connection between how our relationship with our mother is showing up because we're trying to fix and deal and look for issues and solutions in our present day life. Wow. Wow. That's something else. So let's talk about how it can manifest and how it looks with a mother wound, Um, not being your full self because you do not want to threaten others. We'll put a pin in that because that sounds like boundaries to me. Having a high tolerance for for poor treatment from others. Mm. Emotional (laughs) caretaking, Black superwoman complex, and feeling competitive with other women. Can we talk about that? I meant to ask you that on the last... uh, Yeah. Maybe, I don't know if that's a blind spot for me, but I don't... I don't know. I've never experienced that, but if you don't mind. Absolutely. I think feeling competitive is something that uh, is, we see that, we see that around here. (laughs) And I think that, go ahead. You want to say something? Mm -mm. I think that um, that is common. I think it can be, be very subtle and how women can be competitive and and catty with one another and judgmental and like low-key shaming, low-key dissing, um, competing with looks for men. We know that women compete for men. And there are some influences out here who's saying that women need to be competing. That's like, that's, that's what you do. Like men compete for women. We need to be competing against one another. But I think it's in us. It's natural well, I won't say it's natural. I would say that it's cultivated in us for us to um, compete in a way. Because see, we are also shaped to be people pleasers. So the way that we compete may not be as direct as men, but yeah, we do because we want to look the best. And this is why you'll see or hear women talking about women being jealous or catty or talking behind one another's backs. You know what I'm saying? Spreading rumors. The, the, these these things are, unfortunately, they happen frequently with women and women struggling to have secure, healthy relationships with one another. Mm, okay, makes sense. So I, yeah, I've seen it. Oh, what were exactly. you about to say? I just want to add one thing. I heard Beyonce's mother in an interview talking about how one of the reasons Beyonce is successful is because she wants the best of the best. And that a lot of women and a lot of artists, they don't want other women who can potentially outshine them. So they don't want the women with the baddest bodies or the the best talent. But she said, I taught Beyonce that basically you're not in competition with anybody but yourself. And she has embraced that and it's helped her to shine because she doesn't compete with anyone in her, you know what I'm saying? Anyone in her sphere or on her team or apparently period. (laughs) And that has helped her to shine and for women to love her. So I just thought that was very interesting. You know what you just said? I love, she set the standard. 
But she, she was taught that by her mother. Wow. Okay. There you go. All right, everyone. I just dropped the link. So if you want to come on, the link is live. You can just click the button and you won't be appearing on screen immediately. I will let you in, but feel free, feel free. So while we wait on that, let's finish this list. Self-sabotage. How does that look? <laughs> uh, Self-sabotage can look um, all kinds of ways. It could look like, um, because see, it all goes back to shame and perfectionism, right? Which when our parent is emotionally immature, that is the resulting wound. So if I'm not nurtured and guided and supported the way that I need, I'm going to feel or not even recognize that there's this not enoughness in me. So I can sabotage myself. I can sabotage myself from my dreams, from my goals, from stepping into my purpose, from relationships, all because I have a deep sense of unworthiness that came from this open wound from the way that I was parented or the way my mother treated me. Does that make sense? It does, it does. Uh, being overly rigid and dominating Ooh. that's a control freak and a lot of us are control freaks and some of us are controlled because we were controlled because we never had the opportunity to really express or experience agency making decisions for yourself being heard allowed to be assertive and be autonomous from your mother and i think that we we the way that shows up in relationships is that we want to control other people and some of yes. us are afraid that we will be consumed in relationships or afraid that somebody trying to control me. You trying to control me? And so in an effort to protect ourselves, we can become very rigid. And being rigid means that you're not flexible in how you respond. You're not mm. flexible in how you think. You just have automatic reactions that are based on your trauma wounds versus being able to be present and to take time to sit with yourself to acknowledge what you think and what the other person is saying so that you can respond with intention mm. instead of reactions. I love that. It sounds like a person would have either black or white thinking. That's exactly it. And a lot of it, if you ain't been to Love University, you might not know what that is. But the black and white thinking is the cognitive distortion. It is a childlike way of thinking and seeing the world that is based on very rigid and limited possibilities like either or, right or wrong. And it's never just black and white. There are always gray areas. But we have to develop ourselves emotionally and psychologically in order to be able to see all the nuance that life is. Mm, the nuance. Oh, yes. that, that's good. That's good right there. That's real good. Uh, let's see. Let's read a few more comments. I see them all coming in. Um, we can. Can I we, comment about Black Guy? I see his comments. Yeah, I was just. So Blind Guy said, My mom didn't control us, but the pen. Oof. <laughs> I'm triggered. <laughs> But the Pentecostal church did. That church shame and guilt was the worst parent ever. Before we go into that, let me tell you why. I'm going to share a quick, quick story. 
why that, that is extremely triggering to me because I grew up, it was not a, in a Pentecostal church, but I just found out, I knew something was always wrong. It just didn't feel right. And I found out last year that the church that I went to was a cult. And the, the church had a school. So, oh, I'm so triggered right now. I'm just having all these aha moments. So whatever was going on at home, it continued on at church and school. So it was seven days nonstop. So Quita, blind guy, his wife, I feel you with that comment right there. Like, I really feel it in my chest. And thank you for sharing that. I just had to put that out there. Go ahead, sir. <laughs> thank you. I think this is one of the more Ooh. traumatic experience that some people can struggle to express or they may stay silent about because, you know, fear of judgment. And, you know, the, the reality is when it comes to religion and spirituality, it has such a, um, it plays such a foundational role in many people's lives that it can be hard for some people to believe that people can use their religion to abuse other people or that the way that they were raised around religion can feel traumatic to a child. And it can, because yes. what we know about human development, and there were people who will argue with me on this, and you're entitled to your opinion, but, I, <laughs> but we have to recognize that when you are a whole soul, okay, a whole soul, that you have a desire to experience, to explore, to express, to evolve, to grow, to question. Like what two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, oh, you know, don't question, like on a regular. Exactly. <laughs> like that's a part of their makeup. And so it depends on how the parental figures apply the spiritual beliefs. Um, because if it is shutting the child down, ignoring the child, shaming the child, guilting the child, that absolutely will result in a traumatic wound. Because there is a way that we can parent, that parent, a healthy, emotionally healthy parent can correct the child without emotionally punishing the child. Because if you're shaming and guilting, what will happen is the child takes that in through black and white thinking that you mentioned earlier. And the message that the child receives is I am defective. I am broken because yeah. as a child, they cannot follow these rigid rules because it's not even in their developmental makeup. They can't do it because they, yeah. they don't have the ability to think like adults do. So they're not going to get everything right according to rigid spiritual law, rigid spiritual laws and rules unless they absolutely sacrifice themselves and their ability to think for themselves. Exactly. You know, when I hear you talk, I hear I can relate because there was no autonomy whatsoever in the house. And then again, when you're in church seven days a week plus the Bible study, then the school was inside of the church. There was rigid black and white thinking. There was no autonomy at all. And I was going on what they said. And I'm sure the sisters in the chat put a one in the comment section if that sounds familiar as well. 
And see, the challenge is if I, you know, if a child growing up in this kind of um, situation or parenting structure, they're trying to be good, right? They're trying to please the adults. They're trying to please, you know, God as God was presented to them. Mm -hmm. And so they have no sense of self. And so it's not uncommon that when they become adults and they get into relationships, they will not find that partner who was just like them trying to please, trying to be good. They will find a partner who will abuse them, who will suppress them, who, because they have, they don't set boundaries. They don't speak up for themselves. And so they will attract the people who are the very opposite of the things that they value. And they will struggle with that because they have no practice in communicating or protecting themselves from it. Mm. Speaking of communicating, let's talk about how mothers communicate to their daughters about, well, let me back up. Mothers who have unprocessed trauma put their own beliefs almost like a downfall on their daughters and they're communicating all these negative things and um, about just say men in relationships, but the situations never happen. It's like you're already putting them on high alert. And then we walk around wondering why sisters are all rigid and ready and fight mode all the time. Um, that this is one of the insidious invisible scars of trauma, because if, um, if a mother has had bad experiences or has been abused by men in an effort to protect her child. She may teach her child to fear men or to unconsciously disrespect men, or she may be like overt or explicit with it. Like, you know, men ain't (laughs) that we've heard, we've heard with some women say. And so their unprocessed trauma becomes the foundation for the child. Mm-hmm. So, and basically, they take on because this is what we do. They take on all of the mother's trauma, and then they filter and view their experiences through mama's trauma. But see, the problem is that the child, because of the way we learn to love, mama might think in her traumatized mind that she's doing the right thing. But what she's doing is she's setting the daughter up to repeat the cycle and to become attracted to the very thing that mama say she don't want for her daughter because if mama is is putting that into her child she's not just putting it into her child about men she's also um putting into her trauma responses meaning how she might communicate how she might feel threatened by the child's emotions or autonomy or attempt to assert herself how she is going to have power struggles with the child based on her own trauma because and then they'll call it di- being disrespectful. Exactly. Wow. That be that because they have a deep wound about being disrespected that is generalized to every area of their life. Mm. So now the child has to basically pay for the sins of the trauma and the relationship that the mother had. Wow. That's generational trauma. Woo. So how can a child, adult child, or even a young adult hold that boundary with their mother? How can an adult child hold a boundary with their mother? Well, (laughs) first, the adult child has to recognize their mother as being human and not savior. Because when we're children, mother is savior. Mother is everything. Mother is God. Okay. And so you have to first recognize the limitations of your mother. 
You know, mother had trauma. Mother has a certain perspective. Mother may not know how to communicate about feelings and even understand how she's impacted you. And even if she does understand it, it might be very triggering for her because it's going to bring up a lot of stuff. And so I think as adults, we have to recognize um, the humanity in our parents, the limitations, and also be willing to disappoint your parents because meaning just understanding them is important, but it's not enough to let them violate you as an adult. You have to be willing to set boundaries and hold boundaries and recognize that you holding boundaries can change the nature of the relationship because often it will. You have to set the standard for the level of respect that you desire and deserve. Right. Because you, you're the one with the power now and you get to decide who you invite into your life and how they'll treat you, even if they're your mother or your father or a family member. So you I get, see how, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say you get to you get to revoke invitations if necessary. Right. <laughs> and I see how it trickles down into relationships with partners. As far as no, it doesn't trickle down. I think that it, it does a little more than trickle down. I think it will define your relationships with your partners. Y- yes. A firm, a firm fissure in the ground. Yes. <laughs> because your thinking is shaped by your mother's thinking. The way that we see the world, which is why we got to do the healing work. Because if we, and let's keep it all the way real. Black women have had severe trauma for generations that was never addressed, acknowledged, and we still had to keep on keeping on. And so if we're really honest with everything that Black women had to endure, there was only so much left to give the children. And a lot of times what was left was not that emotional support. (laughs) that ability to be very patient and nurturing. It was like, no, you are, I got to prepare you to go out in this world and survive. So we had mothers who were in survival mode who taught us how to live in survival mode. Mm, 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 mm. Because doesn't this sound familiar? Oh, we don't have time for that. We got things to do around here. We got to get it done. Always, always Always. in a rush, always. And that's because for for our mothers and many generations, that's what life was. You know what I'm saying? My energy for many mothers had to be conserved by being gentle and kind to my oppressor's children. You know what I'm saying? The people that I work for, because we know black women did a, a lot of domestic work. That was the major thing that we did. So we had to be mamas to the our oppressor's children while they treated us like shit. And I had to be able to sustain that And then come home and not be able to nurture my children the same way because of what they would have to deal with in the world. Wow. That's a lot of mental energy that I think we don't always understand and recognize. But it also means that we still have to hold our mothers accountable, though, now for how they treat us. Right. And how how mothers treat their children. Mothers have to hold themselves accountable now for how they treat their children. It goes both ways. It does. We just put the ego down for a moment. And you're right, show up. So this is a live Q&A. Again, everyone, I dropped the link again in the comment section. So please feel free to come on. Um, 
just state what you'd like, ask to read a question, or maybe if you are a member of Love You, just let her know how what you learned from Love You. So while we wait on that, I'm going to read. Chanel, thank you in advance for your comment. She said, my mother could never just apologize when I was a teen. And when she didn't, when she did did something that warranted an apology. Instead, she would say, ooh, let's go shopping. Like she swept it under the rug. She even did this in my adulthood and I'm 48. Okay. <laughs> now, this is common. This is common. Yeah. Um, I can relate. You know, a, a lot of our mothers... Let's, let, let me just keep it all the way real. If we have a parent that struggles with emotional immaturity, meaning because of their own trauma, they aren't aware of their emotions. They don't know how to identify emotions. They don't deal well with emotions. They will have a tendency to suppress. That is what the Black superwoman does and did. And so if I'm basically numb to my own emotions because of everything I went through, um, I'm not going to be able to immediately validate or congratulate or to identify or respect your emotions. What I'm going to do is I'm going to try to show you love the best way that I know how. And that may be by giving to you, doing for you, um, saying, yeah, let's go shopping and spend time together. That's my way of saying, yeah, I know I did something wrong. But see, the problem is that we've experienced this and a lot of us have. Um, relationships with our mother where there's an inability to address the root cause or root issues. So what, what, what's going to happen when you get in a relationship? Most likely you will have a relationship with someone who don't know how to identify their emotions, who won't apologize, who never deals with the root. They will either make you responsible, blame you, or say, get over, forget about it. That was last week because that's a form of gaslighting. That's a form of reshaping reality. So I don't have to get vulnerable. I ain't got to break down into my emotions and I don't want to see you do that either. So let's just move on. But what happens is the pattern of the cycle continues because no one ever tells the truth about what's happening. Girl, do you know? <laughs> I literally had an aha moment. I just thought about a relationship I had. He now... I can tell he was totally emotionally unavailable, but this man was the best gift giver. And I fooled myself into thinking, oh, well, giving gifts, that's his love language. <laughs> and you know, you did for yourself in, in a way that it was true too. Both things were true. That that might have been I'm confused. his love language because <laughs> it both could be true, right? It may not have been the um, for you the thing in a relationship that actually brought you closer together because there may not have been a lot of real intimacy, but that may have been how he learned to love based on how he was treated. Not to be vulnerable, not to talk about the issue, because talking about the issue and telling the truth about it means I got to, you know, I got to take off my cape, my mask, my hat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I got to get naked. And so instead of doing that, let me give you something. That I know you're going to like because I know what you like because I haven't studied you enough. Not your feelings, but you know the external stuff. And so that you will be so enamored with the gift 
that you will just move on and don't bug me about it. Don't ask about it. Don't bring it up. Cause if you do, I'm going to tell you we're, we're good now. Why, why, why do you want to keep bringing that up? Exactly. And I would get, I would take the broom out of my parents' hands and I was too sweep it under the rug. I mean, we, we had brooms everywhere in the house. Yeah, and a lot of rugs and a plenty of closets. And <laughs> As most of us a did. lot of everything. And, then, and if a bone fell out the closet, you just pick it up and put it back in that closet. And then you put some nice wallpaper over and make it look nice and pretty. Make it look nice. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let me say this before we take any more questions from the chat. Um, we had questions from people who previously posted. Sure. Can we, can we talk about some of those? So when they watch... They'll know that we read um, the absolutely. Okay, um, I can get into one. She said, "My mom and I are not close to one another like she is with my sisters. We've had some bad days, and that is in capital letters, bad days. How do I get through this when she doesn't want to talk about it or only acknowledge my faults?" I will go on, but I am a sister with a real story. Thank you. Absolutely. And I want to acknowledge all of my sisters out there because we all have real stories. And if nobody told you that your story is real and valid and important, that's what I'm here to do today. Because we're, we often kind of, again, push our stuff under the rug and try to keep it moving. And so it can be challenging when you have... Um, when you you can recognize that your mother might have her favorites or she might have a closer relationship with your siblings. But the reality is when it comes to families, the dysfunction can show up in all kinds of ways. Mm. And some families, instead of dealing with the issues or the parents or the mother dealing with their stuff, what they'll do is they'll scapegoat a child. And again, this is what a narcissist does. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They'll make the child the problem. And if the child wants to speak up or wants to express some of the things or call some of the secrets out, then it's not uncommon for that child to be made the black sheep, the one that has the problem, because they are really like the ones who are the truth tellers, the ones who are not okay with the silence or the shaming or basically the low-key BS. And so there's different dynamics that families use to maintain their dysfunctional coping. And sometimes the children experience the brunt of that. Mm. And so if you have a child that plays the good child and they want a people-please mom, mom naturally will gravitate toward them and make the other children who are not on board with the lies and the ridiculousness They'll make them the problem. And so when you said she doesn't acknowledge, I'm assuming you meant she does acknowledge her faults and she probably doesn't know how. And the fact that if she's emotionally immature, if you bring up her faults, then you have a problem. You're being disrespectful. Yeah. You're being disrespectful. I'm the mother. I don't care if I'm 153 years old. I will always be your mother. I don't care that you're 93 years old. You're being disrespectful. Shut up. Hush. And plenty of mothers are, you know, part of our dysfunctional parenting that was passed down is that they believe that they should always be respected regardless of what they do. And what they don't see is that's why they traumatize because ain't nobody damn respect them. 
Ain't nobody respect their needs, respect their wants, respect their voice. And then they pass that down as parenting. And we are the generation that is calling that out. Because if a child is not respected, they don't know how to respect themselves. That's how you learn respect because you are respected. Not because you're taught to respect everybody else. That's how people pleasers are made. Wow. Woo. See, I'm very passionate about that. And I love it. I love you for that. And we love you for that. That's why you're always the show favorite. (laughs) Let's go to another question, comment. All right. She said, my mom and I have never been close. Growing up, I swore she didn't like me. And there have been things she said to me that didn't show love. In my 20s and 30s, I didn't take shit from anyone. But in my 40s, all the self-doubt, fear, feelings, and unworthiness, self-esteem just seeped in. I love it. I've always thought it was fathers that affected us, but my mom has damaged me in ways I didn't know. Caller. I didn't know that either. Literally, I just found that out maybe four months ago in Sarita's class. I didn't know. I did not know. I focused so much on my father. And little did I know, it was there was an undercurrent. I truly had a blind spot. So I get it. And thank you for sharing that with us. Ooh, yeah. that was powerful. I really honor you and appreciate your vulnerability for that because I know a lot of women can identify with that. And I can identify with that too because I, you know, I was a different person in my 20s. And then I got older, I'm like, are you taking shit now that you would never have tolerated? <laughs> but I think that let me rephrase this. I know that when it comes to our relationship with our mother, Um, you've mentioned, and some of you probably have heard the term attachment, but our attachment to our mothers is in the first two to three years, they establish our bonds, our ability to trust and our attachment to our parents is everything. And I mentioned this on our last podcast that we are driven to attach because our survival depends on it. And so that means that we have to sacrifice ourselves, sacrifice our voice and our authenticity in many cases in order to bond with a parent who is emotionally immature because that parent feels threatened. That parent has their own traumatic wounds. That parent may be looking to get their needs met through their child because some parents have never known love except for the love of their child. Mm. And so that means that if the if the parent getting their needs met is more important, then the child has never known what it means to get their needs met. So as you mature and you're getting into relationships, you really don't even know what it's like to get your needs met into a relationship. You might not even know your needs. You might not really have identified your feelings because you're just basically like a person, your identity has been conditioned around your traumatizing relationship with your mama. So you don't really know who you are. You don't really know what you want. You don't really know what you think. The shit that you're looking for in a partner can be very general and basic, but based on stuff you heard in TV or the dysfunctional relationships you saw your mama in. 
Ooh, and this yes. is not to blame her. This is to understand the impact of not getting what you need in a child. It creates everything that you said, self-doubt, fear, feeling like an imposter, unworthiness, feeling misunderstood, feeling alone. These are all symptoms of a mother wound. So mm. you're not broken, and we're not talking about this to blame your mother, but to understand the impact of having um, a bond that didn't serve all of your needs, how you can continue to search for those needs in other people, and how you can feel like there's something wrong with you, and you can learn to give it to yourself. That's what healing is about, and that's why you need to come to the Love You Challenge. Because that's exactly what I'm going to be addressing and helping you to understand. Exactly. Because like I just said, I didn't realize I had that blind spot. I had no idea. And I thought everything was because of the father wound. Me too. And it was difficult for me because I love my mom. And despite my trauma, my mom... she has so many wonderful qualities about her. And there were so many good things that she did teach me and give to me. But it was hard for me to see my wounds because it was hard for me to recognize the ways that I was also damaged. So I just thought of this. You had a slide in class and I can't remember verbatim what you said, but you said that it was easier to look at your father's faults or anyone it was easy to look at him as opposed to whatever mother wound that you had yes it was easier for me to place all the blame on my father who was absent basically who abandoned me in my childhood it was safer to hate him that's what you said disconnected from him it was safe because see she was the one who was taking care of me so lashing out at her, being angry at her for some things that she might have done or might have said, that threatened my survival, okay? That threatened literally me having a roof over my head because if you act out too much, you got to get out, you know what I'm saying? And so it was safer for me to project all of that energy. And it's not something that we do consciously and to make him the total bad guy. He was my fall guy for a long time. Ooh, that sounds, that is, that resonates. Before we go on to the next question, I just want to let everyone know that today is June 1st and today is World Narcissistic Abuse Awareness Day. And this is a day that we dedicate to education, support, and effective change to narcissistic abuse. (sighs) And as you talk, I hear a lot of narc vibes from our moms. (laughs) It's so funny because initially when I would say that, you would be like, what? (laughs) Mama, narcs? And me having narcs? So it's it's so... I was like that. What you would look like. Well, explain that. You know, that you were giving me the... Go go deeper on that because, you know... And it's hard for us. It was hard for me to see some of the similarities. But we got to address the narc vibes in us as parents, as women. Because 
it is those wounds that keep us attracting the narcs. Yeah. That was a hard pill to swallow. I yeah, I that I figured out in therapy. <laughs> and I'm like, Fuck. me? No. But I know with my healing, my healing helps when I have language and I can attach language to my behaviors or other people's behaviors because I am a social person. That's a hard pill to swallow, but, you know, you can name, I have water now. It can go down. I'm telling you, when you name, you can tame it. And see, I talk about this a lot in Love University and just even in my lives because when we can see how the martyr because a lot of us, we have that martyr energy, that sacrificing, that rescuing, that I do for you, I fix, I help. But that martyr energy, I'm not saying it is a narcissist. You are a narcissist, but there are qualities that you share with the narcissist. Because a lot of us giving and doing and helping and feeling victimized because we're not setting boundaries. Because we're attempting to give and do as a way of manipulating people into being loyal or to doing for us or to staying with us or to love us. And mm -hmm. that is what trauma does. That's what trauma is. And a narcissist and a martyr, the root of their behavior is trauma. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy to me. It's sad to me that we have a culture that actually has to have a narcissistic abuse day awareness day. that speaks volumes yeah. to the issues that we have with relating and also how we're loving our children exactly speaking of that we have another one um i was raised by my narcissist mom when i was little she loved me to death but treated my sister not so equal which made my sister never really care for me as kids but as i got older to know when things wasn't right or done right i would speak up mm, that goes back to what you just said sarita mm. i would speak up and then from there she she discarded me she would say and me and do mean things. And I will always say, I will never be like her when I have children, which I think I overcompensate with my daughters. But now I just never wanted to have that toxic relationship with my girls. I honor you and I thank you for your comment and for your vulnerability, because that right there is exactly what can happen with an emotionally immature parent. If your mama can't tolerate any kind of what feels like criticism or, you know, speaking up for yourself, that assertion, that advocating for yourself, which we all need to learn to do as human beings. If mamas feel threatened, then mama will do what a narcissist does, which will discard you. You're the problem. You're out of line. You're out of pocket because an emotionally immature parent wants you to be on their program, wants you to be in their role that they prescribe for you so that you can be the one that they might live vicariously through. You're the people pleaser. You're the one meeting all their needs and showering them with attention. They can raise their children to be their own supply their own source of validation. And when you're not on that program, then they will enter the discard and they will feel very justified for it because most likely that's how they were treated.
for joining me on this episode of Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. If anything you heard today made your soul vibrate, please like, comment, and share this episode with two of your friends. Thank you and I love you all. the queen sisters manifesting their dreams hit your cream by any means and being with self-esteem beauty supreme and booty walk so mean the way you fit in them jeans you eat your cornbread and greens dance or a doctor red wine or vodka redesign your spot and redefine your mantra retwist your locks and realign your chakras doing your squats and getting closer to god huh crunching with your squad or taking a girl's trip adjust your crown you guys give to the world sis celestial body drink your water meditate sun kiss goddess heavenly order Levitate, tribe of Ashanti, black girl magic, melanin popping, whether you ratchet or lavish, whether you bougie or savage, you a gift and a treasure, you got to love a black girl getting a shift together, black girls are getting a shift together, these black girls getting a shift together, man, these black girls are getting a shift together, these black girls getting a shift together, dog.